Welcome to episode 17 of the Fasting Well podcast. Today I'll be talking about different types of intermittent fasting and choosing the best type for you. So I was sick a couple weeks ago and my voice still sounds a little nasally, so sorry if that's distracting, but, but we'll get through it either way. So intermittent fasting can be a little confusing because that phrase is used differently by different people, so there's not a consistent definition. Sometimes it refers to short-term daily fasting, and sometimes it refers to fasting a little bit longer, like a little bit more than a day. But in general, fasting just means eating less often, right? Eating less frequently. And so there are various different schedules, different popular ones with names, etc. And we're going to go through some of those today. One of the good things is that regardless of which one you start with, regardless of what schedule you start with, you can probably get some health benefits from it regardless. And then you can always kind of change it up later. The best type of fasting for you is probably whatever fits into your schedule and what you're willing to do. If you're really ambitious and you pick something that's very challenging and and then it turns out to be too inconvenient, then that's not going to work out, right? Because you'll probably just quit. But that's why it's usually best to just start with something that's really practical, really convenient, and then kind of gradually adapt and work your way up to something more ambitious down the road. So again, I'm going to explain various different types of intermittent fasting to give you an idea about some of the pros and cons of each. I'll share some personal experiences along the way as well. And then hopefully that'll help you pick what would be the best fit for you. I don't have a specific blog post just about this topic, but I did address it pretty thoroughly in my Beginner's Guide to Intermittent Fasting, which is a very long blog post that goes over basically everything you need to know about intermittent fasting before you start. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Okay, so the first type of intermittent fasting I wanted to mention is not really a type of intermittent fasting. At least most people wouldn't think of it as a type of intermittent fasting. But it's a type of fasting that is a really good first step for beginners. And that's what I call mini fasts. And I kind of stole that term from Megan Ramos, who was on the podcast a few episodes ago. But mini fasts just mean fasting from one meal until the next meal. So even if you eat three meals every day, you can still do some of these mini fasts from breakfast until lunch, or from lunch until dinner, or from dinner until breakfast the next day. So like I said, most people wouldn't really call that intermittent fasting. But I think if you're a beginner and you haven't really tried fasting, this is probably the best place to start is to just do some of these mini fasts. And in other words, you would be cutting out most of the snacks. You wouldn't be snacking in between meals. So this is something anyone can do without any preparation. And for the most part, there's not really any medical contraindication or anything to just doing these mini fasts in between meals. So in other words, it's not something where you have to rush out and get a whole bunch of medical tests to be like, oh, can I fast all the way from breakfast until lunch? Um, Because 99.9% of people can do this, and it's not a problem. And one of the other advantages is it starts letting your body gradually adapt so that you'll more easily be able to do some other types of fasting down the road. Now, I've certainly done a lot of mini fasts, and I find that when I do go from one meal to the next, without any snacks in between, I I enjoy my next meal more. It's more satisfying and I can eat more of a proper meal. You know, sometimes you're not really hungry when dinner time rolls around because you were snacking on something in the afternoon. Well, you can kind of avoid that with these mini fasts. 
And you can also give your body a little bit of a break from food where it can start to get a little bit into the, some of that resting and repair that you can do during longer fasts as well. So I talked in detail about how to do mini fasts in episode four of this podcast. So if you want to go back and listen to episode four, I kind of walk you through that, including what types of food to eat in your meals so that it'll be easier to get through it from one meal to the next, etc. Um, I also have a 10-day no snacking challenge that I've set up if you want to try that. And you can just go to, there's a landing page, it's fastingwell.com slash challenge. And basically what that does is it sends you a series of emails that walk you through it step by step to help you get through 10 days without snacking. And even if you're not perfect, that's fine. But it has a score sheet where you can kind of keep track of how well you do each day. So again, that's fastingwell.com slash challenge if you want to try the 10-day no snacking challenge. I talked a little bit more about that in a bonus podcast episode that was right after episode 14. So you can probably still find that podcast episode there as well. All right, so after mini fasts, the next thing, it's kind of a big category actually, but the next thing, the next type of intermittent fasting is time-restricted eating. Time-restricted eating, or sometimes called time-restricted feeding, more so in the context of animal studies and things like that. But time-restricted eating, which can be abbreviated TRE, so sometimes you'll hear TRE or TRF. So that means time-restricted eating, which means eating your food in a somewhat shorter window of time each day, or on a regular basis, even if it's not the same every day. So for example, if instead of having breakfast right when you get up, you have it an hour later, or even two hours later, then you would be doing a bit of time-restricted eating. Or if you had your dinner a little earlier, or even if you just don't eat anything after dinner, because a lot of people keep eating after dinner, right? So once you stop eating after dinner, then you're already doing some degree of time-restricted eating because you're shortening your eating window. So for example, a lot of people talk about ratios like 16-8, or 1410. And what that means is you would be fasting for 16 hours, including overnight, you know, while you're sleeping, and then until your first meal the next day, and then you would have an eight-hour eating window. So eight hours could be from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m., or from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., or from noon to 8 p.m., for example, or anything else that you could come up with, but those are just some common schedules. So that's the most, uh, kind of the most popular popularly mentioned, most commonly mentioned version of time-restricted eating is the 16-8. But it doesn't have to be 16-8. It could be 14-10, where you have a 10-hour eating window, or even just 12-12, where you have a 12-hour eating window. If you're kind of a beginner, that's a pretty easy way to start, where you kind of gradually ease into it. Or you could start even even easier by doing it for like a 15-hour eating window, and then a 14-hour eating window for like a week or two at a time is a good way to ease into it. So the benefit of doing time-restricted eating is that you give your body more time to rest and repair, more time to burn fat, and so you give your body a break from food. And whenever you get a break from food, you kind of are able to do certain healing processes and other beneficial things. So I've done a lot of time-restricted eating. I basically do it every day, but I don't follow a strict schedule where I'm doing exactly eight-hour eating windows every day. I play it by ear a little bit. And that's because I'm not really hungry when I wake up in the morning. And I think most people, once they, once they start paying attention to their body, most people aren't really hungry when they first wake up in the morning. We, I think we kind of eat breakfast just because it's cultural. And we've developed the habit, and then our bodies got used to it, and then our bodies come to expect it. 
But once you start shifting away from it, your body will also adapt to something new and you, it won't always expect that breakfast first thing in the morning anymore. So I generally don't eat breakfast and I basically wait until lunchtime. That's my typical approach is I'll just wait until lunchtime and then I'll have my first meal, a good proper meal with lots of healthy fats, lots of protein, whatever it may be. It's different every day. But I'll have my lunch and then I'll wait till dinner time. I'll eat dinner and then, you know, plus minus on whether I eat anything after dinner. But in the end, it's often maybe about an eight hour eating window that I use most of the time. And so that's just kind of a daily thing that I do that's pretty easy, pretty convenient. In fact, it's very convenient because I don't have to waste time making breakfast, figuring out what to eat, cleaning up, etc. And I can just get right into whatever I want to do for the day. Some people like to use an app to track their times when they're doing time-restricted eating. Um, You can do that or you cannot. It's helpful as a beginner because it'll send you notifications when you've reached your goal or just help you keep track of how well you're doing. And for a long time, I did use apps. I used the one called Vora, which I don't know if it exists anymore. But there's another one called Zero that I used for a long time, Zero. So you can easily look that up and try that out if you would like. So you'll hear about other versions of time-restricted eating. And one of them is called the Warrior Diet. And, and there was a book that came out about the Warrior Diet actually about 20 years ago. So it was one of the early versions of intermittent fasting that started to gain some traction. So the warrior diet means having about a four-hour eating window in the evening. And the idea is that it's kind of similar to what some of our ancestral societies, some of our ancestors would have been doing, is maybe eating most of their food at the end of the day after they'd done their hunting and gathering and things like that. So it's having most of your food during the four-hour eating window kind of in the later part of the day. And that's called the warrior diet. The most extreme version of time-restricted eating is if you just had one meal a day. So that actually, um, there's an acronym, O-M-A-D, or O-M-A-D, that stands for one meal a day. So that's pretty popular, and so people, you'll hear about that quite a bit, one meal a day. So the pros and cons of that, well, it's convenient, right? Because you're only spending the time to figure out food prep, etc., just during one hour or so per day. Um, and it can certainly help with things like weight loss and blood sugar regulation. Now, the downside is, if you only eat one meal a day, it might be hard to eat enough food. So basically, you might not be eating enough, and if you're eating only a small amount of food every day, then after a while, your metabolism will adjust and will slow down. And so if you're trying to lose weight, for example, and you just start doing one meal a day, yeah, you'll lose weight for a while, but then it'll, it'll plateau, and, and you'll you'll be kind of stuck. So that's why I don't think OMAD is a great fit for anyone who's trying to lose weight. It's more for maintenance. Like if you've already reached your goal weight and you're just trying to maintain it, then that's a decent option in that context. Okay, so there are other variations of time-restricted eating. Basically any ratio or any schedule you can come up with where you eat your food in a shorter window of time Uh, each day or at least on a regular basis. So as I've alluded to, you don't necessarily have to do it exactly the same every day. A lot of people do it just Monday through Friday or something like that, whatever's convenient, or if they have different schedules on different days where they want to eat breakfast with their family certain days of the week, but not other days of the week or anything like that. So you can kind of adapt it to whatever you're trying to accomplish and whatever works for your specific schedule. So another type of intermittent fasting you'll hear about sometimes is called eat, stop, eat. 
And that's because that's the title of a book that came out in 2006. It was by Brad Pylon. And I actually read this book a few years ago. It's, it's pretty short. It's a quick read. Um, and basically, Brad went through, went through a fair amount of research that shows health benefits of fasting. But ultimately, he recommends doing a 24-hour fast once or twice a week. And that's because he thinks that's realistic, it's convenient enough that it's um, sustainable for most people to just do a 24-hour fast once or twice a week. And yeah, it's probably a pretty good fit for a lot of people. And you don't really have to ever skip out on your family dinner, for example, because you could just start your fast right after dinner and then end it when you have dinner the next day. So it works out pretty well in that sense. I've done this quite a bit. For a while, that was my plan um, that I was doing. For several months, I did a 24-hour fast. Um, I did it at one point once a week, and at another time, I did it twice a week. So I've done that quite a bit and found that it is, it's pretty easy compared to some of the longer fasts that some people do. And it's pretty convenient because, like I said, it doesn't, you still get to eat every day, but you get those 24 hours in once or twice a week. So, so yeah, it's a good uh, stepping stone as well if you've done some time-restricted eating, but you want to try something slightly more aggressive, be it just a little more ambitious, then you could try doing that 24-hour fast once a week or even twice a week. So it can be a good stepping stone if you're trying to break through some weight loss plateaus or break through some, uh, some issues with blood sugar, with type 2 diabetes. That could be a good way to do that. Okay, so I'm going to mention a couple other types of intermittent fasting that are fairly popular or useful or that you'll probably hear about. So one of these is called alternate day fasting. So alternate day fasting is just what it sounds like. It means you would fast basically every other day. So this isn't really for beginners because this is a little too much for a beginner in my opinion. And that's because if you're fasting every other day, that means when you fast, you fast the whole day. So that's not the first step if you're just starting out. But this is a schedule that's been shown to be very beneficial for people that have type 2 diabetes or significant obesity. For example, Dr. Jason Fung and Megan Ramos. Megan Ramos was on this podcast a few episodes ago in episode 14. They use alternate day fasting as their primary method. And they've helped a ton of patients reverse diabetes, reverse all the signs and symptoms of diabetes, lose a lot of weight, fix their high blood pressure, fix other health problems like polycystic ovary syndrome and others. So they've had great success, and this is their primary method that they use, this alternate day fasting. Now, it doesn't mean necessarily um, literally fasting every other day forever. A lot of people find it more convenient to do Monday, Wednesday, Friday or Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. So basically doing about three, three days per week. And Megan mentioned in that podcast in episode 14, she mentioned that uh, some of her patients prefer to do two 48-hour fasts per week instead of doing the every other day thing, because then they only have to miss two total dinners out of the week um, with their family. Uh, so there's slightly different variations of it, but the basic idea is fasting about every other day or something like Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So as Megan described in the podcast, usually after about six months of doing this alternate day fasting, there are patients that have type 2 diabetes. Usually it's reversed. Now it's not perfect, it still requires maintenance, etc., but usually it's essentially reversed after about six months of doing this. So this can be a really powerful schedule for therapeutic fasting. 
If you want to hear more about that, go ahead and go listen to that episode. So again, that's episode 14 with Megan Ramos. Another type of intermittent fasting you'll hear about sometimes is the 5-2 diet. Now, the 5-2 diet isn't, is not really intermittent fasting, but it's often lumped in with it. So I'll just explain it briefly. So what it means is that two days per week, you would significantly reduce how much food you're eating. So you'd eat about 25% of your usual calorie intake. So if you're used to eating 2,000 calories, that would mean you'd eat 500 calories on those two days. Or if you're used to eating a little bit more, like 2,400, then you would eat 600 calories on each of those two days. So it could be any two days of the week, consecutive or not, and you would just significantly reduce how much you eat on those two days. So this has been pretty well studied. It was first studied with breast cancer patients who were undergoing treatment. And what they found was the ones that did the 5-2 diet lost more belly fat, had better lean mass, um, and did better overall with their treatment. So it's also been studied a little bit for weight loss and things like that. And basically, it's been shown through research to have various benefits. I did try the 5-2 diet for a while. In fact, it was the first type of um, therapeutic fasting or health-related fasting that I ever tried. Um, So I did it for a few months, and it was okay. It was kind of interesting. It was kind of, I learned a bit about my own experience with fasting just by going through those days where I was eating so much less food. It was just interesting to see what that was like and how hungry was I really, etc. And I experimented with different types of food. But ultimately, I didn't feel like it was a great fit for me in the long run, just because on the on the other five days of the week, I was sometimes falling into, you know, overeating and binging on sweets and stuff like that. So the two days a week were interesting, but then the other five days didn't go as well for me. So ultimately, I decided to stop and, and do some other things. Okay, so I've covered several types of intermittent fasting, including various popular types. Now, have I covered every type of intermittent fasting? Of course not. Because there's infinite versions that you could come up with if you just slightly tweak the schedule or do something slightly different. I know a lot of people like to have a sort of regimented um, kind of schedule to follow, you know, based on what somebody recommends. But in reality, you can certainly change and tweak and, and adapt it to your own circumstances to your heart's content. And sometimes you'll need to change what type you're doing after a while in order to get additional health benefits, but certainly you can start with just about anything and get some health benefits from it. So just to summarize quickly the different types of fasting that I talked about, I talked about mini fasts, where you're just trying to go from breakfast to lunch, or lunch to dinner, or dinner to breakfast the next day, without snacking in between. And that's a really good way for beginners to start, because it's easy, you don't really need to worry about any medical issues, Um, it's something anyone can do, and it gives your body some time to adapt to that new way of doing things, where you do those mini fasts. So I've set up a 10-day challenge you can do. If you go to fastingwell.com slash challenge, you can join a 10-day no snacking challenge. And I think that's a really good way to start if you're a beginner with fasting. I also talked more about how to do mini fasts in episode four of my podcast. After that, I talked about time-restricted eating. Time-restricted eating just means you're eating your food for the day, all your food for the day, within a somewhat shorter window of time compared to what you normally do or what most people do. So that means maybe having breakfast a little later or dinner a little earlier, or maybe just having two meals instead of three. 
There's lots of ratios that people like to talk about, like 16-8, 14-10, or even longer, like 18-6, uh, for example. And that just means the first number is how long you're fasting every 24 hours, and the second number is how long you're eating. So 16-8 means an eight-hour eating window. So this starts to get a little bit more of a benefit um, than just the mini fast because you have a little more time to let your body rest and repair and, and go into fat burning mode and do some other just kind of restorative processes. So more extreme versions of TRE include the warrior diet, which means having a four-hour eating window towards the end of the day, as well as OMAD, or one meal a day, which means just having one meal a day, obviously. Uh, but it essentially becomes about 23 hours of fasting on average if you just have that one meal a day. So time-restricted eating can be convenient. You don't have to do it the same way every day, so you can kind of adapt it to your schedule. And it's a good way to start getting some of those benefits of intermittent fasting. Another version you'll hear about sometimes is called Eat, Stop, Eat. That's based on the title of a book by Brad Pilon in 2006, and it recommends doing 24-hour fasts once or twice a week. It's pretty practical, pretty convenient, because you only have to change your eating schedule a couple days a week. I think it's a good stepping stone if you've tried some TRE, tried some maybe some mini-fasts and some TRE, and now you want to try something slightly more ambitious, I think going on to do some 24-hour fasts is a pretty good stepping stone, a good thing to try after that. There's also alternate day fasting, which means fasting every other day. So for example, you could eat on Monday, fast on Tuesday, eat on Wednesday, fast on Thursday, and so on. But a lot of people, instead of just doing that continuously, they'll just pick, say, three days of the week that, to be their fasting days for the week. And this is particularly for people that have type 2 diabetes or are significantly obese. And as I mentioned earlier, Dr. Jason Fung and Megan Ramos with The Fasting Method, that's what they call their website and their clinic now, um, over at The Fasting Method, they've used this with tens of thousands of patients to great success. So if you're struggling with those types of health conditions, this can be a really good schedule to work up to but probably not the first thing that you should, you should start with. Just start with something really easy at the beginning so it's not too, <laughs> not too difficult. Now, um, another version is another version of intermittent fasting is the 5-2 diet, which, like I said, it's not really intermittent fasting because it's just intermittent calorie restriction on those two days of the week where you eat about 25% of your usual calories. But it has some well-researched health benefits, so it can be useful for some people for sure. There's also infinite other variations that you could come up with, but these are just some of the most popular versions of intermittent fasting. Okay, so we talked about a bunch of different types of intermittent fasting. So now, what should you do with all this information? Well, basically, pick a version, pick a schedule, pick something to start with. It's better to start slowly with something easy at the beginning, because then it's more realistic that you'll actually be able to stick with it for a while. And I talked a lot about that in episode 15 of this podcast, where I talked about how to develop health habits that stick. So one of the keys is to start with something really easy at the beginning so that you can get some reps in and start to form a new identity. And then you can gradually change or gradually get more ambitious as time goes on. Whatever you pick, give your body some time to adapt to it. Don't expect it to be amazing on the first day, because anytime you do something new, it takes some time. 
And then every so often, as needed, you can change up and try a different schedule. For example, if if your main goal is to lose weight, and then you do one of them for a while, and then you kind of hit a plateau, well, then it's probably try, time to try something different. I really hope the information I shared today has been helpful. If it has, I hope you'll consider sharing this with at least one other person. That's so helpful in terms of getting the word out to more people so that more people can use this information to improve their health. I also hope you'll consider leaving a review. If you're on Apple, for example, if you're on Apple Podcasts, super easy to just scroll down and find the place to leave the review. And if you're on Spotify, they now allow you to leave a star rating, like up to five stars, I think. And so the more people that do that, the more people that will see this podcast, because when you do that, it'll kind of help the algorithm to recommend it to more people, just like YouTube or, or other like social media type things. So please consider sharing this episode or any of these episodes, and please consider leaving a review or a star rating so that more people can find this podcast. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time on the Fasting Well Podcast. The Fasting Well Podcast is not medical advice and does not replace the need to consult with your own medical providers.